You are listening to The North Podcast, a ministry of Mount Perrin North in Marietta, Georgia. Well, I hope you're doing well tonight. Thank you for being here um, at Mount Perrin North. I'm so glad you are here. And uh, we are getting ready to start off 21 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, we've got a pretty good um, set of notes that are out there for you. Um, And the best way to do that is if you've got the church app, you can go to the church app, download those notes. You can take notes in there or they're available on the website as well. And I believe on YouTube, if they're not, they'll be tomorrow, I'm sure, um, just because I don't know. Um, but they'll, they'll, they'll get those to you. Um, uh, I have a fabulous, fabulous, we have a great team here that makes up for all my mistakes. Like they just, if I say something, they make it happen. Like, you know, and um, even when it wasn't planned, like uh, just that last song, you'd have never known it. Sarah in the back had the graphics ready. Scott just moved right with it. These guys are great. They clean up a lot of messes, and I thank God for them. Amen. <laughs> so um, tonight I want to talk to you about prayer and fasting. And what I want to talk to you about is what are we trying to accomplish during our 21 days of prayer and fasting? And what is fasting all about? Now, to give you a base example of, and a knowledge of what fasting actually is, biblical fasting is the intentional act of doing without food for a certain time period. Okay? Biblical fasting, the intentional act of doing without food for a certain time period because you are giving that up and you are focusing on Christ and on God and doing those things for the Lord. Now, um, what, I, what I want you to understand is that that's a biblical fast, okay? Um, Along with that, a lot of times we do other things with that too. We give up social media or we give up media or TV or other things. But um, that is not what biblical fasting is about. Biblical fasting is about giving up food for a certain amount of time. Um, And the reason for that is nothing gets your attention like hunger. Can I get an amen? I'm serious. Nothing gets your attention. There's nothing like the hunger pain or the growl of a stomach that gets your attention. If it's, if, you, if it's really bad, it gets everybody else's attention too, right? You find yourself going, I have no idea what's going on, right? You, I mean, you're, you, you're apologizing, but nothing gets your attention like that. And the reason this is, this is crucial is I need you to understand this is not just about giving up something. This is about entering to, into a time of deep humility with the Lord. Now, I'm not here to be legalistic with you. Some of you may have a medical condition, but listen to me. If you've got a medical condition, consult your doctor. I'm not telling you you've got it. I'm going to tell you in a few minutes, lots of different types of fasts, biblical fasts that are available for you to partake in and all of those things. This doesn't mean you have to go 21 days without food, but it does mean that there needs to be something incorporated. Now, if you want to give up TV or you want to give up uh, social media, that's fine. Incorporate that. That's called solitude a lot of times. I'm going to take that time and I'm going to spend it with the Lord. But this has to do with food. Everybody understand that? Nobody wants to amen it, but do you get it? Okay? All right. Because nobody wants to give up food. But that's what biblical fasting is all about because it reminds us of our need for the Lord, our daily need. So I want to talk to you about the purpose of fasting, the motives of fasting, and then I want to talk to you about the different types of fast and what God wants to accomplish in those things. So number one is this, the purpose of fasting. Um, we find it in Deuteronomy chapter 8, in the first and the second part of Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. So the first part of fasting is, the purpose is humility. So in the first part of verse 3, it says this, yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna of food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. 
So the Bible tells us, Moses is reminding them, yes, the Lord humbled you through your hunger. He let you go hungry to remind you of certain things. And then he fed you with manna. Now, the, the reason why he reminds them about manna is this. It's reminding them they experienced it. But we have to go back and understand that manna was something that was never known before. The people of God were hungry. They were very hungry. They complained to Moses. They said, God has brought us out of Egypt. We're thankful for that. We're thankful for we're not in bondage. Now we're in the wilderness, and now he's going to let us die out here. So, yeah, we're thankful. It, it was kind of that bitter tone. You know what I mean? You ever, you ever, had, that, you ever had that bitter gratitude before? It's, yeah, we're really thankful, but... And he said, he let you go hungry, and then he fed you with manna. Manna was something they'd never seen before. God allowed wafers from heaven to just fall down with the dew and appear on the ground, and they would go out in the morning, and they would collect enough for that day and only that day. The Bible tells us that they would collect it for that day, and if they tried to collect enough for the next day, it would spoil overnight, except on the sixth day, because he said, I want you to rest on the seventh day, on the sixth day, they would gather enough for two days, and on that night, it would not spoil overnight. Because it was all about a trust and reminding that our dependence is on the Lord. As a matter of fact, the word manna that he uses there, in Hebrew, the word manna means, what is it? That's all the word means. That's all it means is, what is it? They've never seen anything like that. God has never done anything like this. What is it? He says, he humbled you by allowing you to be hungry and then fed you with manna, previously unknown to you. The second reason is this. It's for spiritual growth. He goes on to say in verse 3, He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He said, what he wanted you to know is this. Yes, he's going to provide your physical needs. But it wasn't just about physical provision of food for you. It's for your daily guidance. Just like the manna came and gave you food and nourishment for the day, his word, he said he teaches you that every word that comes from the Lord. Now, we know his word comes through the Bible and his word comes through the Holy Spirit. Every word. You live not only by physical provision, but by spiritual guidance by the Lord. You can't make it through the day without provision by the Lord. You can't make it through the day without guidance from the Lord. You need his word and you need his Holy Spirit. Listen, I need you to understand that. Those are not opposed to each other. They always, always, always they never contradict each other. They always are in alignment. And I meet people today say, I understand his word. Do I really need the Holy Spirit to live a Christ-centered, spirit-filled life? Listen, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. You hear me? You need his word and you need because his spirit will guide you. His spirit will interpret the word and his spirit will apply the word in the right circumstances at the right time. You need those things in your life. And so fasting reminds us that we are to be humble before the Lord because we cannot make it a day without him. And it is also to remind us that we need him every single moment to guide our steps. That's the purpose of fasting. Now, I know. I know there's been a lot of popular talk, and I'm not, against the, I'm not against incorporating this. And listen, our 21 days of prayer, prayer and fasting is, is, is um, titled Mountains Will Move. We believe God is a God that can move mountains and do great things through faith. But listen to me. Fasting 
is about humbling ourselves before the Lord. You may have a great mountain in your way. You're not fasting because of that mountain. You're fasting to humble yourself before the Lord, to get yourself closer to the Lord, to empty yourself of you so the Lord can fill you with him. And then God will move the mountains the way he needs to move them. That's the purpose of it. So let me give you, talk about what is the motivation for our fasting. And this is important. I want to tell you what it's not, the, the right motives and then what the wrong motives. The right motives is, are that it's Holy Spirit directed, the first thing. It could be Holy Spirit directed. So Jesus is led in, by the Spirit into the wilderness to fast and overcome temptation. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil at the beginning of his ministry. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. Fasting is Holy Spirit directed. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will direct you to fast, to give up food for a certain time period and for a certain reason. Now, I don't know what that is for you, but sometimes the Holy Spirit will do that in your life. I know this, there are times in my life when I need to make a big decision, when I need something to happen in my life, and I need to know what God's will is for my life. I need to know what God wants me to do and how he wants to guide me in those things. Those are times that I feel spirit-directed to fast before the Lord. There are going to be times in your life where you face things where you feel like for a certain amount of time, I'm going to need to fast until I hear the answer from the Lord, until I understand what God wants to either do in my life, through my life, or direct my life in those moments. So Holy Spirit-directed. But there's a second reason you fast as well. It's not just because you need something. There's also a spiritual practice of fasting regularly. Now, I don't know what regular means for you. I don't know if that's, I'm not saying that's weekly or monthly or, you know, I'm not telling you what it is. I'm not here to be legalistic. But there's a spiritual practice of fasting. Um, Jesus confirmed this with his, that his disciples would fast after he leaves. He is confronted by John's disciples who ask him about fasting, and they really are challenging Jesus, saying, why aren't your disciples fasting? Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 and 15. One day, the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, why don't your disciples fast like we and the Pharisees do? And Jesus replied, do the wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. He said, at, there's a moment when he says, I'm going to go away. And then they're going to fast. And this is a regular spiritual practice. So I don't know what that looks like for you. And there are different seasons in your life where it will look different than other times. There, there's a regularity that I have with fasting. There's also been times where I felt extended fast from the Holy Spirit. There's also spiritual disciplines, a spiritual practice where I thought, I need to grow closer to the Lord. So I don't necessarily have a need here, but for this segment of time, I feel like I just need to draw near to God and I'm going to fast from a spiritual practice, a spiritual discipline so that God can fill me and discipline me and guide me and, and let me experience him in a way that I've never experienced him before. That may be, so that may be weekly, that may be monthly, whatever that is. I don't know what that looks like for you. It's looked like different things at different times in my life. So there's been times where I would fast a meal and I did it for an extended period of time. There have been times where I fasted every single Monday um, with a 24-hour or 36-hour fast. It was an extended period of time. I just felt like I'm doing this because I need to draw nearer to God. 
I'm not telling you those things lasted um, um, uh, forever. I'm just telling you there are times that you say, I'm going to set aside this time as a spiritual discipline to humble myself before the Lord. Because in those moments, the spiritual practice is when you are praying that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not to get God to do something for you. It's asking for God to transform something inside of you. That's what spiritual practices are. It's why you read the word. It's why you pray. It's why you come to church. It's why you worship so that God may transform you and fasting becomes a spiritual practice or spiritual discipline. One of the things that you incorporate in order to grow in Christ. So the right motives are it is either Holy Spirit directed or it is a spiritual practice that you use to grow closer to Christ and yield more of yourself to him. Let me give you a couple of wrong motives for fasting, okay? Um, and just, just listen to what I'm saying here, okay? Because if we're not careful, we will try to turn fasting into our advantage instead of our humility. Nobody wants to admit it, but we as humans can take anything divine and corrupt it, can we not? And so let me give you some wrong motives. The first one is this, is when you, it's a power grab, and what I mean, a spiritual power grab. Trying to make God do what you want him to do. Using the practices of drawing near to him to try to bind him to make him do something you want him to do. Colossians chapter 2, verse 23 says this, These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, severe body discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. This is talking about spiritual practices that have been convoluted and perverted in order to get what I want from God in these things. Now, you can tell God anything you want, but can I tell you something? I hear people that will say, listen, if you study the word, you can bind God by his word. You can't bind God with anything. He's already bound himself by his word. You don't do anything. You stand on his word. And when it comes to fasting, fasting is not twisting God's arm to make him do something for you. You know why? This is going to hurt. When you think you can twist God's arm, you think you're in control of God. And you're asking him to step off of his throne and you sit down on it. I don't... I don't twist God's arm with fasting. I humble myself. This is not to become a more spiritually elite person where you can be a stronger prayer warrior than somebody else. It's not a competition. It's humility. Wrong motive is to try to bind God in some spiritual power grab and authority. But you pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A second wrong motive is this, as an attention grab. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7. He says, when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you. Pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will, will reward you. And when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. 
They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that's the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, and then no one will notice that you are fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. It was popular in those days to stand on the street corners and to pray loudly so everyone could see how holy you were. It was popular in those days to walk around with your hair disheveled and looking awful, and people go, oh my goodness, are you okay? Oh, I'm fine, I'm fasting. I don't know what that looks like for you today, but no one needs to know how you fast, when you fast, except your Father in heaven and maybe a few people around you that are affected by it. Can I just, can I be real with you? When you decide what you want to fast with the Lord, you don't have to announce it on social media. If you're taking a break from the social media for the Lord's sake, just hop off. You don't have to announce it. It's fine. I promise you, you'll be okay. Don't draw attention to your fasting. Let your fasting draw you to God. It's not about drawing attention to yourself. It's not about looking better in someone else's eyes. Jesus even said, if you do it in public, you've already received all the reward you're ever going to get. Or if you want your father to reward you, do it in private and he sees it and he'll reward you. So the right motives. The right motives, it's got to be Holy Spirit directed or spiritual discipline. It's for humility. And it's to draw us closer for spiritual growth. The wrong motives is to try to bind God through a power grab or try to let everybody else know how holy you are in an attention grab. I want to talk to you about the different types of fasts that the Bible mentions. And here at Mount Perrin North, and, and I, I'm not here to, you hear, listen to me. I'm not here to say that any other church does it wrong. I'm just telling you how we do it. Okay, some churches say, we're all going to do this fast together, this particular fast. That's fine. Here, we believe we're going to just lay out all the different fasts that are available, and you pray to the Holy Spirit and ask God to reveal to you what he wants you to do and how he wants you to participate. So let me give you some of these. The first one is just called an absolute fast. 
An absolute fast is abstaining from food or water for a specific amount of time. Some examples of this are found in Jonah chapter 3, in Esther chapter 4, and also in Acts chapter 9. This is when you abstain from food and water, all food, all water for a certain amount of time, whatever that time period is, okay? Whether that's 12 hours, 24 hours, 36 hours, whether it's two days, three days, seven days, I'm not telling you, I'm just telling you that's what an absolute fast is, okay? That's what's called an absolute fast. The second one is this. It's called a partial fast. Some people call it a Daniel fast. That's abstaining from rich foods, from meats and bread, and only consuming vegetables, fruits, and water. Vegetables, fruit, and water. Okay? Again, some people will tell you what a Daniel fast is. Listen, so this is the reason why I didn't call it a Daniel fast. Okay? Some people refer to it. It's a partial fast. Because when you call it a Daniel fast, there's been enough books written on it where somebody has literally said, here's what you eat, here's when you eat it, here's how you do it, and if you don't do it, you're not fasting right. Don't be legalistic. Ask the Lord what will have you do. Can I tell you this? And don't be judgmental if somebody's doing a partial fast different than you are. And if they accidentally call it a Daniel fast, and you go, well, Daniel didn't eat that. That's between them and the Lord. This is about you and the Lord, not about someone else. Remember, Sunday I talked about the mark of maturity is not reading Scripture and figuring out how it applies to everybody else. It's reading Scripture and asking God how it applies to me. So absolute fast, partial fast. There is what is called a daylight fast. That's abstaining from food or water from sunup until sundown. Um, That's observed today um, by Jews uh, for remembrance of difficult events in the history of Israel. Um, uh, uh, and uh, from sun, uh, daylight fast, also sundown to sun up is another version of this. It's basically a 24-hour or 12-hour fast, depending on what it is. Um, if it is a sundown to um, uh, when it's when it's during the daytime, um, it is a daylight fast. Um, I just have to tell you, um, if you fast from sundown to sun up, okay, not a fast. That's a nap. Just telling you. Okay, so it's it's. It's observed in different ways, okay? Um, that's why we call it breakfast, to break a what? Yeah. There you go. That's why they call it. It's when, when you, the natural times, okay? So there's absolute, partial, and daylight fast. There's a 24-hour fast. That's obtaining food from sundown one day until sundown the next day. This is observed by Jews for Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, uh, even today. Um, and then there's what is called the supernatural fast. This is abstaining from food or water for extended periods of time. This is a long period of time that people will uh, do this. Can I, let me just listen to me. This fast better be directed by God, okay? If it's an extended fast, like longer than a few days, you need to be directed by God because only God's going to sustain you during that time period, all right? Um, um, if you are... Giving up certain foods, that's fine as well. So some people have medical conditions, all right? And they can't just do without food. They've got medication they've got to say. But there are certain ways you can participate by giving up a certain type of food. Um, Now, when you give up a certain type of food, make it mean something, okay? Remember, it's something that draws your attention, all right? You know, for me, I'm not going to give up, you know, if I'm fasting, it's not beef liver, all right? Or chicken gizzards. That's, That's not a fast for me. I'm never considering putting that in my mouth anyway, right? It's got to mean something for you. It's got to draw your attention. Like when you see it, you go, oh, man, yeah. God is more important than that. 
Also, when you do give up something, I know sometimes when you see it, if you give up rich foods or you give up food or whatever, I know sometimes your, your, your mouth will salivate a little bit and your stomach will just sort of um, have hunger pangs or just growl a little bit, all right? Um, once again, it's not an attention grab, okay? If you're sitting at a table and you've given up something and someone says, would you like some, just say, no, thank you. You don't have to say, no. <laughs> I can't, I'm fasting. And then stare at them and kind of go, but is it good? You know, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Whatever God asks you and how he asks you to participate, he's going to sustain you in the process. Let me give you the role of fasting in our spiritual formation. The first thing is it reveals the things that control us. It reveals the things that control us. Psalm 69 and 10 says, when I humbled my soul with fasting. To humble your soul is to bear it before the Lord. Um, I'll just give you a personal example, okay? I've told you before, confession is good for the soul and it's bad for the reputation, but I'll tell you anyway. I was pastoring my first church in Mississippi and we were doing a fast and I felt led of the Lord to do an extended fast. Um, and um, uh, it was quite an extended fast that stretched me far beyond where I'd ever been before as far as fasting goes. And when I was fasting, I was coming to the end of it. Now, if you do an extended fast, um, at some point, the hunger goes away and it's just emptiness at that point. Okay, like after two or three days, the hunger pains aren't there. You just feel empty and tired all the time. Um, and so I made it past that time period, and as I got into the extended fast, I got closer to the end of it, and I was thinking, this is the longest I've ever fasted, and my competitive brain started kicking in, and I thought, I wonder how long I can take this thing. Instead of what God had told me to do, I was like, wow, I might be able to go another few days or another week past that. I wonder how far I can stretch this out. Maybe I could get my, I've already broken my record. Maybe I can extend the record. That's my brain thinking. I know you would never do anything like that. And I got convicted by the Lord. I said, why are you doing this, Kirk? What is this for? Is this so you can feel more spiritual? And I repented. And that, not, um, that at the end, a couple of days later, when my fast was scheduled to end, it was on a Saturday night, I went to the church all alone, by myself, no one around. And I don't know how to describe it, but I can tell you this. I took communion that night to break my fast by myself at the altar. And like I said, I don't know how to explain it, but as I took the communion wafer and I read the passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 about the body being broken for me, and I snapped the wafer. In my spirit, it felt like the sound of a whip. And I could picture the cat of nine tails on the back of my Savior, reminding me this was never about me to start with. It was bringing me 
and through the holiness of remembrance of the sacrifice of God for my life. And I could have ruined it. It's not about that. It's not about any of that. And God took that moment to reveal something that was controlling me. It was pride. It was also in that moment, during that fasting season, where I was continuing my education, and I just received, um, I was in my master's degree, and I just received um, notification that I'd been accepted um, um, into a, a doctoral program. And actually, um, I, got a, I got a scholarship for it because I, I really didn't think I could afford it. And as I'm driving up to the church one day during this fast, I looked at the sign out there and it said the name of our church, had my name, said pastor. And I thought to myself, that's going to look really good one day when it says Dr. Kirk Walters. And God arrested my soul. Arrested my soul and said, you think they're coming because your name's here? You think that's what this is about? There's not one person that's coming because your name's here. They're coming because my name is in this place. God revealed pride and ego in my heart that time during those, that season. That's why you don't see my name anywhere on signs. I don't know what controls you or what you struggle with or what you hide and act like it doesn't. But fasting if he'll allow it, God will bring those things to the surface so he can break them and then heal you at the same time. The second thing, it reminds us that we are sustained daily by God. As Jesus was being tempted before his ministry ever began, he was being tempted. And the devil tempted him and said, you're hungry. Tell these Stones to turn to bread. Jesus answered the devil and he said, No, the scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is in a fast that is Holy Spirit directed at that moment. And in that moment, he is reminding himself of what the scripture tells us every day. We're sustained by the Lord. It's why in the Lord's prayer, it says, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, give me just what I need in order to be sustained by your grace today. The third role is it helps keep balance in our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. And 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22 says, I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view, and I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. few years ago when I was reading a passage that I read to you tonight, 
where Jesus said, as he's questioned about fasting, why don't your disciples fast? He said, because the bridegroom's here right now, but when the bridegroom leaves, they will fast. And what challenged me is what I want to challenge you with. So many times we talk about fasting. I'm fasting to have this happen in my life. I'm fasting to have this happen in my life. I'm fasting to see a change in me. I'm fasting to see a change in the circumstance. I'm fasting for all these things. And that's fine. But I'm going to challenge you. When's the last time you fasted? Because you could not bear any longer to be away from the bridegroom. He says, The indication is, when the bridegroom is gone, the fasting is there because you are sick almost without their presence. I don't want to go any longer without the Lord's presence so thick in my heart and in my life. And where, as John said at the end of the book of Revelation, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. When was the last time you fasted and said, Lord, change me inside, change the circumstances? But, oh, Lord, I don't know when the timing is there. But, Lord, come quickly. Bring us into your presence. In your presence here, in your presence in eternity. I don't want to go another day without you so close to me that I can't feel you. I believe that 21 days of prayer and fasting can set this year not to be the year of your greatest whatever. But maybe it's we humble ourselves before the Lord and say, this is the year you mold us into who you want us to be so that you can make us the people of God you want us to be. And watch God do in us things we never dreamed possible. And at the end of the year, no one will talk about us, but everyone will talk about Jesus. You should have received some elements when you came in this evening. If you did not, if you'll just raise your hand, some of our teams will get those to you. If you did not receive communion elements. I'd like for you to go ahead and unseal those. The top seal will reveal the wafer and the next seal will reveal the juice. And as you're preparing the elements, I want you to just prepare your hearts right now to concentrate on the body and the blood of Jesus Christ right now. You're
stand with me, please? Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. He says, on the same night that the Lord was betrayed, he took bread, and after he blessed it, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. Would you remember the body of Christ? And in the same manner, he took the cup. He said, this cup is my blood in the new covenant. Take and drink as often as you do in remembrance of me. Would you remember the blood of Christ? For as often as you eat the bread, drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Sing it again. You're all I want. You're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know you are near. Sing it again with longing in your heart. We sing. our prayer tonight our prayer is that you would look deep into our hearts and prepare us a preparing not just to do without food but a preparing to receive all that you want to do in us Lord if it's conviction do that if it's convincing do that If it's encouraging, do that. If it's deliverance, do that. But we humble ourselves before you to say, you're all we want, you're all we need. Because if you're here, all of those things happen. And so God, before we ever ask for anything, before we ask for something, we ask for you to be so real in our lives be so prevalent at the forefront of who we are and all we do. Make it meaningful. Make it lasting. Make it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for being here this Wednesday night, um, and I hope you'll prepare your hearts for 21 days of prayer and fasting. It begins, uh, so Sunday we'll uh, take communion again with the entire church. And uh, at that point, we'll begin our 21 days of prayer and fasting. So I'm really praying for you that whatever God wants to do in your hearts and your minds and your lives during these 21 days, that God is going to do that completely. And here's what I know. I don't want to come out of 21 days of prayer and fasting the same way I go in. I want God to change us however he wants to, and I'm praying that for your life as well. Allow me the privilege to bless you before you go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. 
Oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you, folks. Love you. Have a great remainder of the week. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to learn more about North, be sure to check out our website at mountparanorth.com. If you have any questions, you can email us at info at mountparanorth.com or give us a call at 770-578-9081. And if you're in the Marietta, Georgia area, we'd love to have you join us for worship next Sunday at 945 or 1115 a.m. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.